Welcome to AM570 The Mission's Church of the Week with Ministry Director Steve Hanseritis. Church of the Week recognizes one church's amazing work. It's WMCA's way of supporting and strengthening the faithful proclamation of God's Word, discipleship, and evangelism. Telling the world about the love of Christ is a church's mission. Empowering that church is ours. If you would like more information on Church of the Week, contact Steve at 212-857-9677. That's 212-857-9677. And now your host, Steve Hanseritis. Welcome to Church of the Week here on AM 570, the mission WMCA. Folks, you are in for a special treat today. Uh, with us is Pastor Albert Feliciano, I call him Pastor Al, and his lovely wife Frankie, who is sitting there silently, from Soul Purpose Evangelical Church in Middletown, New York. Now, usually what we do when we record these segments is we record the interview first and then do uh, the sermons, but Pastor Al recorded the sermons first. And let me tell you, you're, you're hang on to your seats. Because there are some <laughs> great messages coming up. So welcome, Pastor Al. But why don't you start us off with a prayer first? Amen. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me here today. And what an honor and a privilege it is to sit here with you and to be uh, part of this uh, radio show. So let me open up in a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise. You are a good, good Father. You are a great and glorious God, and I thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. We ask, oh God, that your spirit would move among us today, oh God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this interview, and we thank you for your presence always. I thank you for Brother Steve. I thank you for this radio station. I thank you for the work that you're doing here and the mission that is being accomplished, Lord God. We thank you for all those who are tuning in today, and we pray that you would just touch every individual in a special and unique way, that it's not only just an interview, but they would be impacted by your spirit, oh God. We thank you. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again for driving two and a half hours <laughs> from Middletown, New York. New it's, York It's City. beautiful, just like I pictured it, wow. as Stevie Wonder says. <laughs> Skyscrapers right. and everything. And everything. <clears throat> so um, you, you say that uh, at Soul Purpose, building God's kingdom one soul at a time. How do you do that? Well, that's a very good question. Um, we're an evangelism-driven church. Uh, we believe that every Christian is really called by God to be an evangelist. As a matter of fact, that was what Jesus told us before he ascended into heaven, go ye therefore. And what we see as a, I hate to say the word crime, but it, it really is almost criminal that oftentimes we have souls that are saved and we write down a tallies. This year, there's a hundred people that got saved. This year, we, we were able to reach a thousand people for Christ. But when you look at the church, there's 50 people coming to church on a Sunday. And Jesus says, don't go out and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. And I think the church is guilty oftentimes of leaving babies on the doorstep. Mm -hmm. It's like an orphan child. We give them a Bible. We pat them on the back. We might say a little prayer. Oh, all righty then. And we send them out and no one follows up. There's no discipleship. And so our church, we believe that we make disciples one at a time. How do you do that? 
We, I mean, we, what, what do you do on a day-to-day basis at your church? Because what you just said sounds great. Yes, we try. How do, you do it? How do we do it? We try to stay in communication with those that get saved. For everyone that comes to the altar, for every uh, a decision to follow Christ, we try to link them up with a, a mature believer, someone who can be like a, a big brother, a big sister, a coach, uh, someone that can take them under their wing. You see, Jesus spent three years with the disciples, and he discipled them though the whole ministry, and they watched him. And, and then he also sent them out. He says, now you go and preach the word. And he says, and wherever you receive, bless that house. Wherever you're not received, shake the dust off your feet, that even the dust will be a, a testimony against them. But he taught them, and they came back, and they shared. And I think we have to interact. We have to be more social with each other. We have to be more welcoming, more inviting, more compassionate. Pray with each other. Teach them. Um, feed them. Show them how to study the Word. You know, when I was a young man, I never knew what a concordance was. I, I found out about a concordance, I think, when I was like 23 years old. Mm. Uh, and all those years that I have just never knew how to study. And... Uh, so that's our mission. We, we want to take them in. We, we have a, a seven-week uh, class that, that I had written on. I call it Discipleship Boot Camp. And it's uh, really from Genesis to Revelations. We try to go through a foundational teaching. And we sometimes do it in a life group setting. We, we go to their homes and we do it a seven-week class in their home. Or we do it in the church and we pick a separate day. And we invite all the new believers to come and, and, and do this class with us. And we allow them the time to ask questions, to get feedback. And if it takes more than seven weeks, well, guilty as charged, then it takes more yeah, than seven yeah. weeks. But this is one thing that we don't want to rush. And we want them to be able to uh, to, to feed themselves, to, to be able to enter into the presence of God, to worship God, to pray, to not be afraid, uh, to, to pray for others and to pray for their wives, their sons, their daughters at home. It, it's a really powerful thing to see. And, uh, and and to see God working in their lives, and uh, it's it's pretty awesome. That's great. That's you know, great. If, if the church actually <clears throat> reached one person in a year, every year the church would double. <laughs> really? Well, I've often said that there are enough people in New York City not going to church. That's true. That if they dis- all decided just in Manhattan to go to church one Sunday, there there wouldn't be enough seats. Wow. In every single church of any denomination, there wouldn't be enough bagels for fellowship hour. <laughs> you know? So I, I, I like that. What, um, by the way, your 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 wife, Frankie, is sitting there nodding. She's yeah. very proud of you, Al. Yeah. Very proud of you. She's next, a, a blessing. What a gift of God she is. Next time we're going to gonna get her on the air. She's a little, a little shy here today. <laughs> but what brought you to Christ and when? Tell us about your own personal journey. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I've, I've often said this at our church. I've got saved probably 150 to 200 times in my life. When I was a kid, every time there was a fire and brimstone sermon, I would raise my hand and I'd go up to the altar and receive Christ. But the reality was it wasn't a sincere commitment to the Lord. I was just reciting a prayer and believing that I was okay with the Lord. But you want to know the funny thing? When, uh, when I was a young man, I happened to be uh, in a season where I kind of drifted away from the Lord. I was kind of going to church in and out, one foot in, one foot out. And I was invited to a, a young man's house who had a single mom with two other sisters. It was just three kids. And I remember 
that they all waited for each other to, to have a meal, and they invited us to their dinner table. And this young man prayed uh, for the meal. But it was such a thing about that prayer. It was such a sense of family. They were so devoted to Christ that really it was something that I saw as, as such a genuine relationship with Christ and with each other that it moved me to tears. And I just had to excuse myself from the table. It was a simple prayer. They prayed over my life. And I knew at the time I had drifted so far away. I was doing drugs and doing dumb things. And I remember that the Lord just caught me that day. And uh, I had drugs in my pocket. I excused myself. I said, oh, I have to go to the car. And I remember going out to the car. I took everything out of my pockets and I threw it in the gutter in the street that day. And I repented. I said, Lord, I'm ashamed of myself. I know better. I, who do I think that I am, you know, bringing this stuff into such a godly home? And I repented and I asked the Lord to really come in and, and have his way with me. And I said, I truly do surrender at this time. And it was that day that I began a real legitimate journey of discovering who Christ uh, is and, and who he is to my life and, and what he means to me. And uh, I had a friend of mine, um, a late brother who just passed away last year. His name was Gene Bivens. And he literally took me under his wing and he discipled me for three years. And I think that's where I, I learned how important it is to, to be discipled. And I remember going to Howard Johnson's. I don't even know if Howard Johnson still exists, but I remember going to diners with him and uh, he would open up his Bible and I'd be like, whoa, dude, are you kidding? You know, we're in we're in a diner. You know, everybody's going to see us. Is this, are you sure you want to do Bible this? the Bible with the fried clams. Oh, Howard my Johnson. Lord, I was terrified. And, you know, I was like, what's going on here? And this guy was like, well, praise God. Glory to God. Let's enter into a word of prayer. And he'd start praying and he would even speak in tongues in the whole night. And I was like, oh, my God. This is this is rough. But little by little, he started to show me that we don't have to be afraid or ashamed. You know, we're we're spiritual people in a, in, and we're the normal people. You know, those in Christ Jesus are normal. The world is abnormal. It's in mm. a fallen state. Yeah. We're the normal ones that believe in Christ and walk with Christ. And uh, I, I began to to really just trust God. And that's where my journey began. When did you decide you wanted to be a pastor? Ooh. What was that journey like? Because I know that you started in someone's living room. I sure did. And, yeah. and so take us on the road on your journey to being a pastor. All right. Well, my my road to the pastoral ministry, I, I liken myself to, to Jonah, really. That's the truth. Uh, I remember when I was about eight years old, my mom had this recurring vision, a recurring dream. And she said that she saw, she was in a cloud going back and forth and she would look down from this cloud. She said, I was a young man and I was preaching to a, a multitude of people. And she said from the cloud, predica, 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 which means preach, preach, preach. And that was it, that was the whole dream. And she would say, you're gonna be a pastor someday. The Lord showed me, you're gonna be a pastor. I said, mommy, you're crazy. I'm a musician. I play drums. I, I sing. You know, I play different instruments. I, I'm a musician. I'm I'm not a pastor. And years and years, you know, this has gone on. And every time I did something stupid, I mean, my friends used to call my mom Rambo Mom because she would always get dressed in camouflage gear with flashlights. And when I was out in the handball courts doing dumb things, 
the light would come on. And she goes, I see you. And they're oh, like, man. oh, my God, that's Albert's mom. <laughs> yeah, my mom was a woman of God, but she never gave up. And she in said, a Rambo outfit. Yeah, in the boots and my <laughs> camouflage shirt and everything. And she she never gave up. And she said, you should be ashamed of yourself. You have a pastoral mantle on your life. You can't be out there doing these things. And so I ran from it my whole life. My my grandfather was a pastor. My uncle was a pastor. My sister and her husband were pastors. And I've seen the life of a pastor. And it's not always So glamorous. what made you think you were not going to be I a pastor? I was never <laughs> going to be a pastor. That's the, that's, the, that's the reality. But in 2006, my mom passed away. Uh, the Lord took her home and she celebrated. We celebrated her life and her ministry. And shortly after that, I, I started to understand that this was the direction my life was heading. I couldn't run anymore. I had uh, knee injuries. I literally couldn't run anymore. So I decided at that point in my life, I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to step into this. I went to school. I studied at Omega Bible Institute. And I became, lo and behold, a pastor in 2008. And I remember being invited to Virginia. At that time, it was like a, a racial reconciliation retreat, uh, a meeting. Obviously, they didn't call it that. It was called the Harvest Festival. Uh, but I remember going there, and, and the problem that was shared to me is that there were a lot of different pastors, different cultures, but none of them worked together. So my wife and I, we went with a worship team, and we shared the word. And I remember being at the hotel, and my, my wife, I said, man, my mother was not alive to see this. This was a powerful weekend. Pastors coming together, crying with each other and hugging each other, asking for forgiveness. And it was a God thing. It was a move of God. And my wife said, your mother did see it. She's in the cloud of witnesses. Mm. And it was until then that it snapped. And I said, oh, my God, she was never meant to be alive to see this. And that represented being in the cloud of witnesses. And so when I look back, I say, well, you know what, God, you had a weird way of kind of pointing me in this right direction. But now, as I look back, this is the best possible place for me to be. I feel more uh, satisfied. And uh, this is the, the exact thing I should have been doing. I regret wasting so many years you don't get them back no we don't get them back well i have to say every time i see you your, your face and and frankie's you both look very <laughs> joyous i've never Praise seen people God. smile as much as Thank I, you, the, the the two of you how did you come up with the name soul purpose well, what's, what's the, the logic behind that? Again, because of the evangelism-driven uh, type of vision that the Lord has given me. And that's spelled me. S-O-U-L. S-O-U-L. Yeah. Not filet of soul, right. but soul <laughs> purpose evangelical church. Well, we used to have a ministry, uh, a, a worship team, and we did a lot of traveling. And the name of the group was called, uh, it was called Refined Ministry. And our sole purpose was to share the gospel. But in, in our write-up, that word, sole purpose, for some reason, it always stuck out for me. And when I asked the Lord to give me the vision for the church when we were starting it up, he brought me back to that place. And, uh, you know, it's a catchy little phrase we hear all the yeah. time, our sole purpose for this and that. Well, the sole purpose for really every Christian is to 
uh, share the gospel. Right. And so for me, it, it just stuck. It had a nice ring to it, and I, I felt the Lord's prompting, so that's what I went with. And well, it's, it's we've a been great serving. name. It's a beautiful church. Thank you. And, and Middletown is way north of the way city. Way so north. It's the uh, North Pole from yeah, New York City. It's, uh, it's a beautiful <laughs> place. What is someone, I always love to share this with our listeners, so what does someone experience the first time they walk into Soul Purpose? Well, you know, I've been told that uh, one of the things, and, and we're very proud of this, is that people feel the love of Christ, that they walk through the doors, they can feel the presence of God as they walk in, and uh, our congregation is very loving. I've been blessed, been fortunate to have godly people who love, who who are compassionate, compassionate, who are uh, embracing, and we're a hugging church. If you're not a hugger, you probably would be I'm afraid. There. I'm there. We're a, a hugging church. I'll see you there. And you will get hugged up from a lot of people, and, and uh, people will rejoice uh, with your visit, and uh, they will be very pleased to to welcome you in. And so it's like a big family. And uh, as you know, families go through growing pains. We we have our ups and downs like every other church. But You've had some growing pains. Oh, yeah. We've talked about uh, just offline. Is this something you want to share with? Just or what, what? Let me ask you this because I think that's a better question. What got you through the growing pains? Uh, wow. This is uh, – when I became a pastor, and again, one of the reasons why I ran the most is because I felt to be a pastor was literally to paint a bullseye on your chest <laughs> and even on your back. And whether you're coming or going, there are darts being launched at you yep. from every direction. And, you know, it's not uh, ironic at all that, that the Lord compares us to sheep. Sheep bite. <laughs> And sheep, uh, uh, they bicker and they go through different things. And, you know, being that I'm a sheep myself, um, you know, I learned that I have to smell like the sheep in order to be effective yeah. as a pastor. You have to get in the trenches with them. You have to smell like the sheep. And sometimes uh, the sheep don't always understand. And you might be trying to point someone in the right direction, give them scriptural guidance or direction and sometimes it's not always accepted and you know Jesus said I never came to bring peace on earth but a sword and what is the sword the word of God and the sword oftentimes offends he said my word is sharp like a double-edged sword in other words it cuts both ways it cuts to the person hearing yeah. and the person speaking and oftentimes we don't want the truth the truth makes us free but the truth is uncomfortable and so oftentimes I've had to deal with uh, different situations. Um, betrayal is, is never easy. I've started to see things that I thought I would never have to endure. And so how do I get past that? Prayer. Pretty simple answer. It's prayer. Right? I mean, you know, prayer is the key. You know, uh, I learned from Dr. Ed Cole, the late Dr. Ed Cole, Maximize Manhood Ministries. He had a quote. And he says, prayer produces intimacy with the one whom you pray for. And if someone upsets you or hurts you or betrays you, the best thing you can do is pray for them. He said, bless those that persecute you. Pray for those that hurt you. And it's not easy. You can only do it through the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone their sin, their sins are forgiven. If you retain their sin, their sins are retained. We, we know about the forgiveness, but we always forget about be filled with the Spirit. See, it's the Spirit that gives us life and gives us the strength, the comfort, and the ability 
to make these decisions. And um, it's like a force field, a barrier. And, uh, you know, I remember in the scripture, they said, well, what if they offend you seven times in the same day? Well, I actually did the math, and I think that's like 490 times. Jesus said, forgive them 70 times seven. And I think if my math is correct, it's 490 yeah, it's, times. Yeah, busy day. That's a busy day. And <laughs> if you do the math, I think it's every 2.5 or 2.6 seconds in the course of one day to forgive someone. So when someone throws a dart at you, I forgive you. Someone hurls an insult, I forgive you. It's just like a force field. As long as you continue to forgive, you don't carry the bitterness and you set them free as well. So it's a journey. I'm not telling you it's easy, brother. There have been some long nights yeah. and my wife who's sitting right next to me have seen the tears and we've prayed through some storms together. And uh, there are many nights that we've lost sleep and. Uh, we just were shocked, like, oh, my God, we, <laughs> we love these this. people. We love them. They're like family. How could they leave or how could they go or what What could, you know, it, it's it's so funny. Wow. It's so silly. But at the same point, we could never lose sight of the focus of our mission, of the vision of the church. And, you know, it's sad. People will come. People will go. You can't please everybody. And uh, as soon as you start telling someone, repent. So that times of refreshing may come. They're like, man, I don't need this. You know, this guy's getting into my Kool-Aid. He's reading my email. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good with this. And and they disappear. And I and love when you get a little urban. With yeah, this we have to throw a couple of ebonics yeah. every once in a while just to keep it fresh, right? What's what's uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. Okay, uh, you know, your church is in such a different area than, you know, New York City. I mean, it's a beautiful area. I've been up there. Uh, it's it's God's country as far Amen. as I'm concerned. Yes. Uh, there's a country boy inside this city. Yeah. Boy. I just want you to know. <laughs> um, what are your what are some of the challenges that you face in? It really is kind of almost an, a rural area, not yes. suburban. That's correct. But it's more rural than than suburban. Well, the physical location of our church, it, it is a little bit more rural. Uh, however, we are in the city of Middletown, and uh, it's a big city. It's a, it's a great city. I never thought in a million years I would live there, but I am there, and I'm glad I'm there. And uh, Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Westchester, Ossining. Oh, okay. I was pretty much raised in Ossining. I went through the whole school system okay. there, and uh, I moved up to Middletown in 2000, and uh, I've been there ever since. But... Uh, some of the challenges, I guess, is that there's there's a lot of churches in our community. We have some that are mega churches. There's a couple of mega churches there. Then we have a majority of smaller, mid-sized churches, the average church size. And uh, what happens is there's so many different denominations and so many different uh, ways, if you will, to serve the Lord that people become picky and choosy of where they wish mm. to to spend their time. And I find that in most cases... Um, people tend to respond to the warm and fuzzy gospel feel-good message. That means, you know, the seven steps to a great life, your best life now type of thing. And, and they all love that stuff. But the minute you start talking about holiness or sanctification or repentance, and it ruffles people's feathers. And I'm, I'm uh, a firm believer that you cannot compromise, you cannot candy coat, you cannot water the word down. The word doesn't need a facelift, it doesn't need a makeover, it is effective as is. And, uh, and so we, we, 
we preach the uncompromised word of God. And sometimes you will hear something that will make you a little uncomfortable. But I, I believe also where God's word says that the truth will make us free. And sometimes, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. If there's something that the spirit of God is convicting you, then, then act upon that, you know, bring it to the Lord and, and go before him. So these are some of the challenges. Again, we also have a, a, a problem. We're not current owners in the building that we're in. And so mm-hmm. we're having a couple of little challenges here and there, zoning issues and different things like that. But God has been faithful. He has sustained us. It's It's been one miracle after another. And we're believing God to continue the miracle process well, until pr- he comes. Pray for those continued miracles. Amen. Uh, thank you both for being with us. Uh, we've been having a great time here yes, with indeed. Pastor Albert Feliciano of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. Uh, let me give out some contact information. Uh, their phone number is 845-342-9989. Uh, visit their website which is uh, S-P-E-C, Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, Church. Church, you spell yeah. out the word church Dot again. Net, and uh, worship is on Sundays at 11 a.m. So Amen. Uh, visit them. You will not be disappointed. Pastor Alan Frankie, thank you so much for being with us. Well, God bless you. Brother Steve, thank you so much again for your invite. It was a pleasure and an honor to be here. And uh, we're humbled by this invitation. Thank you again. Come again. God bless you, everyone. And stay tuned for that special message I told you about coming up from Pastor Al right after the break. This has been Church of the Week here on AM 570, the Mission WMCA. WMCA.